Everybody listen to We're Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for continuing March because I don't know if we want to go into April yet. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. No idea. What we maybe want to do is we want to get ourselves a little bit of extra help because at this time, in this kind of atmosphere, in this type of situation, Going about things by yourself is maybe not the best thing to do. You need to get yourself a little bit of extra help. Now, you can either rely on family and friends to help you, and sometimes you need to stick your hand into your back pocket and get out some silver to help you. Sometimes you need to get yourself a little bit of a squire for hire. That's what I'm saying. And if we're talking money, and we're talking trade, I need to get myself a merchant on the job. I don't just need any old merchant. I need John Merchant on the job. So joining me to talk about Squire for Hire and the Mystic Ruins, the core set number two, I've got John Merchant. So there you go. Hey, <laughs> thanks for the amazing lead-in. Hey, John. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so you're very, 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 very welcome indeed. Um, how are you doing, first of all? Because, um, yeah, how are you, first of all, I'm, I guess, is the first question. <laughs> I'm doing fantastic, thank you. We're, yeah. Doing doing well in isolation. <laughs> How long have you been in isolation for? Ah, it's going on two weeks now. Wow. Yeah. Is it? Is there quite a lot in your house? I mean, is it just is it yourself and your partner, or is it you and like several million dogs, or <laughs> not several million? But uh, so it's me, and my fiance, and what she wishes with seven million dogs. But uh, no, we have we have two dogs. Oh, so awesome. So, they keep us busy enough. Are you able? Are you able to um, take them out and about and go for walks and things like that? Or you've got to be completely on lockdown? Because you're no, you're we like, can. Uh, you can go where you yeah, want. Yeah, no, we're not on full lockdown. We we can we can walk out and about and give everyone suspicious looks when we walk by them. So, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, if you've got dogs, you've got to tell us what kind of dogs have you got? Sure, we have a small Chihuahua. Papillon mix. All right, cool. And it's uh, and our other one is a uh, a Boston Terrier cross with a spaniel, and wow. both of them like to bark. So wow, do you have jackets yeah. for them when you're going out? Yeah, we do. Sometimes oh, it's a little too cold for them, so yeah. Yeah, take it you haven't gone as far as boots. You haven't have you gone as far as boots at all? Do you put them in little doggy boots as well? <laughs> We've uh, the fiancés tried. Oh, it didn't okay. last very long, more than like 30 seconds. Did you take the outside of some not having like, not nope. having this on my dog? It's just not <laughs> yeah, they didn't want going it. to None of that. be happening. Um, 
Squire for Hire, uh, The Mystic Runes, The Corset 2. I mean, this sounds like, first of all, it's one of the biggest names I've ever seen of a Kickstarter campaign. I don't know <laughs> who advised you, Sharp and Snappy, but obviously, um, I don't know if you made that mean. But um, this is the follow-up to the original Squire for Hire, um, which was September-ish last year, it was. if I remember correctly. Yep, yeah, last um, September. So... We'll talk. I mean, obviously, we want to put. We will talk about this eventually, as is my modus operandi and everything like that. But um, <clears throat> originally, obviously, you were, uh, you did the original kind of Squire for Hire kind of Kickstarter campaign. So, where where are, you, where are you with that in terms of kind of like fulfillment and everything like that for that first kind of venture? So the first one actually went unusually smoothly, from what I gathered. Most Kickstarters usually end up happening so we mm-hmm. i launched i launched it myself in in september and mm-hmm. through the course of that i had my own plan for uh, manufacturing and distribution and everything and um when dan from letterman games came on um our kind of process for doing all of that kind of lined up and we wanted to to partner on it um so we we went ahead got it manufactured mm-hmm. got it sent out within uh, by mid-December, um, you know, some typical hiccups and, and delays with uh, with some backers, but it, it went really smoothly, and we, I think we have everyone, almost everyone has received their copy now, so. So, yeah. you kind of under this, so when, obviously, the latest set of circumstances kind of hit, are you just like, yeah, okay, you're just all trying to test me now? I'm just <laughs> yeah because it because it can't go smoothly twice so obviously it has to <laughs> I was going to have a like, wrench thrown in there yeah I was maybe expecting us to maybe not hit Chinese New Year or there was some you know we got the white samples back and maybe there was a couple of misalignments I didn't realize I kind of had would have to deal with like a worldwide pandemic um, challenge yeah. accepted <laughs> kind yeah of thing. I mean there's I mean, we, we knew that the, you know, obviously the factories and stuff were shutting down. Mm. So mm. Um, we kind of factored that into our timeline for this campaign and should hopefully go smoothly because I hear that the factories are back up and running now. Yeah. So as long as, yeah. as long as everyone stays kind of stays home, stays safe and healthy, I think things should be looking up. I mean, how long... How long have you been involved in kind of like tabletop? Because I know that your main wheelhouse is you are um, you're an artist. Um, I am. That's yeah. your kind of your main your main kind of um, your jam. Um, but how long have you been kind of involved in the tabletop space yourself? What's your kind of your, your journey been like so far? Yeah. So I'd, I mean, I guess. Uh, unofficially since i was a, a kid i was always making small games or making mm. my own versions of other games that existed whether it was like a super mario brothers themed monopoly or oh, wow. something to that effect like i i was just always making something and i um up until about f- three four years ago i started making my own micro games um through prototype sites like the game crafter mm-hmm. um so I kind of got my start more recently than just by kind of doing my own art and realizing, hey, I, I can I can illustrate and do the graphic design. And I really like the idea of making something that I can use or play afterwards. And mm-hmm. 
just kind of dove in head first from there. <laughs> so are you are you a freelance kind of graphic designer, artist, illustrator by trade then? Is that what you do in your kind of your job job? Yeah, well, not my, my day job. Um, my day job has been everything from project management to um, to managing a record center or wow. um, a shredding company, like completely unrelated things. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my primary side side hustle job has has always been art and design for sure. So I've always done mm-hmm. you know graphic graphic design for book covers and mm-hmm. um, CDs, uh, painting commissions. Um, oh. Like I've done gallery shows and and things like that, so it's it's been a very wide variety of everything, and all those things kind of lent themselves very well to mashing them together for tabletop games. So I think I've kind of found my found my little niche. <laughs> is that um? I mean, is that what you studied at like kind of college and things like that? Did you go to like a an art yep. kind of course at college then? Yeah. Yeah, so there's a, a local college here in uh, in my hometown where um, they have a really great art program, and so I went through for uh, for fine art. So that mm-hmm. covers everything from printmaking, sculpture, drawing, all wow. that kind of stuff. So yeah. what's your what's your favorite medium then? Uh, I'd say my favorite is probably pastels. Oh, okay. But I I sell probably more watercolors than anything. Okay. And what kind of stuff? I'm. I. I. We will talk about the game, but oh yeah, that's fine. <laughs> you know, um, but... I do animals. Oh really? So, okay. Yeah. So it's probably no surprise that Mystic Runes and Square for Hire is is animals. Mm. But um. But yeah, I've always done a lot of birds and a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of animal drawing stuff like that. And is it kind of um real life animal drawings, or is it kind of the anthropomorphic kind of stuff? That you've got like no. in Square for Hire. No, yeah, typically more uh, more abstract stuff. Um, so I, I do realist, uh, realism, but um, typically more more of the abstract kind of thing. So you can kind of get an idea that this is a bird with, you know, this might be a blue jay, but it's uh-huh. not incredibly detailed, or it might be a little changed in certain ways. So yeah, I like I like to hint at what something is as opposed to drawing it fully realistic. Is it is it difficult to do that? Is it difficult to kind of get that across? Then I mean, when you're drawing a piece, do you do you have have you settled into a kind of like a style that you're comfortable with, and that people who get your work will be able to look at something and go, oh yeah, that's a that's a penguin, or you know, that's yep. a giraffe, or that's a that's yeah, a no, definitely, kind of duck. yeah, it's yep, yeah, no, it's definitely like that that style recognition, I guess you'd call it. So it's mm-hmm. it's, it's not like it's completely abstract where I'm trying to draw a penguin using three triangles or something it's it's more or less a just a it's still a representation of that animal but because I'm, I'm i'm just looking at your frog <laughs> Which oh you found like, the frog <laughs> i've i've found the fro- i'm 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 frantically kind of googling you just now because you know i <laughs> i used to i still do occasionally art but um i'm always fascinated with kind of like people who are kind of doing the artwork on a on a, like a side hustle or yep. or you know just doing it when they're when they're doing 
like the arts kind of stuff, and then they say, "Well, I've got the game, so I'll just do the game at the same the same time." Um, oh, I see that. Oh, this is guys. You've got to, everybody that's listening. To, I'm going to put links to the, to the show notes so you can check out John's Elephant. So there you go. <laughs> can't say fair. My can't elephant. Say, can't say can't say fairer than that. No, that's pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> so this is our thing. Does would that does that mean that when you we're designing the game. Does it mean because one of the big concerns about people when they get the when they kind of decide they're going to do the game is the art stuff to get mm-hmm. good art kind of costs an awful lot of money. So you kind of just like you know, yay, got that covered. That's no problem at all. Here we go, kind of thing. Was the art? Did you always know that the art was going to be kind of be like covered off, and you just had to concentrate kind of like on the on the mechanics and making sure they were fine and they were working and everything like that as well. Oddly enough, a bit of the, a bit of the opposite actually. So, it, like, it, I, I don't typically worry too much about the art, but that the art is usually mm-hmm. where I start. Um, oh right, okay. Yeah, and it's it's a bit counterintuitive because I, I know a lot of designers will go from the other approach of let's try to make these mechanics as polished as possible, and then mm-hmm. you know, like you said, look for an artist or or worry about you know funding that that art mm-hmm. later on. Um, so I guess my, my approach is more simultaneous where I, you know, I go, okay, well, I have this really cool idea for an art piece or a character, um, and maybe that opens up an entire world of, um, you know, maybe a whole other fantasy fantasy setting or theme that a game could be based out of. And that's how Squire for Hire came to be, was um, was drawing a, a squire and working backwards through the through the mechanics of what does a squire do and how does he or she, you know, kind of work the the items in their bag. So that's kind of where that came from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did, did you find that you, the art kind of almost ch- changed some of the, the, the ways you were going to be working with the mechanics as well? Did it kind of inspire to see, well... If we did this, we could do that, and this could kind of like feed off each other, and it would kind of tie into kind of the loop. Mm-hmm. Did you did you help it kind of dead? Did it help to dictate how the overall and the mechanics of the game were going to work as well? Based that you could yeah. just say, "Well, I'm just going to mock this up and just do this and see how this could kind of work." Oh, definitely. Uh, that's uh, oddly enough how the the runes came to be in in Mystic Runes mm-hmm. um, was just cr- trying to come up with uh, with new item types and um, and new mechanics and you know I hit a bit of a, a wall there for a while after the first Squire for Hire um, mm-hmm. and then just over the course of doodling and you know just drawing random random things um, you know, just came up with the with this idea of like a like a stone carved um, rune. And then thought, well, okay, maybe these can activate some sort of power or uh, influence the game somehow. So it kind of the same thing. It worked backwards where I developed that art first and then found a use for it, mm-hmm. so to speak. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, did you did was there any art that kind of let got left in the cutting room floor? Then, I mean, you quite quick in your process. Are you able to like go? Okay, done. So yeah. there's a lot of stuff that you kind of like went, okay, I'm just going to leave this or I'm going to put this for the side. Was there any stuff that you've kind of like put to the side and went, actually, this might be better suited for maybe a further expansion down the line or potentially a stretch goal or, or something like that, yeah? 
Uh, in in a way, um, when I, actually when I did the first campaign, we had um, <clears throat> there was one tier for custom cards, mm-hmm. um, so people could order like a, their own custom squire. Um, I would draw it how they wanted and give it whatever items they wanted to collect and, and etc. Um, so I had twenty six, twenty seven characters left over wow. from the first campaign. Um, um, some of those made that into the new Squire pack, which is available on this campaign now. And I have a whole new set of custom orders, which unbelievably have already sold out for this campaign. Um, and so those could potentially, if p- people are open to it, could use those designs for, for something else later. Um, but I'm always designing endless characters and endless drawings of everything. So <laughs> there's there's an equal amount always on the back burner for something. Are you a bit of a doodler then? You just sit there and kind of like <laughs> go away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Just yeah. in the situation, right, John, if you could just refer us back to the notes. Do you know that meeting that we had three weeks ago? If you could just tell us and why is there a penguin um, in knight's armor on that piece yep. of paper and you're just like looking up going, shrugging. I yeah, it's a, it's, her, it's her something. <laughs> it's a thing. Um, I don't know what it's know. for yet, but it's something. <laughs> I've kind of got the notes. The notes kind of yeah. here. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about the uh, the kind of the mechanics, Esquire for hire for people that you know? Because let's face it, I mean, so Kickstarter's so kind of busy and noisy. Mm-hmm. And I, they understand there's always kind of like funded successful campaigns that people go, oh, I had no idea that ever existed or was funded or was there but um do you want to explain a little bit about how the how the kind of game works and the premise behind square for yeah Hire? yeah for sure so it, it you know it's essentially you are um taking on the role of a squire um and a, a squire is there to in this case to hold all of the hero's stuff so presumably the hero is off on on his adventure completing the quests and and doing all these things but to do so he needs items available and um kind of within reach to be able to to complete those quests so your job as a squire is to um you're you're starting off with a, a very small bag or a loot card and this loot card might have um you know a weapon or a valuable or a piece of armor um, something like that, and each item takes up a certain number of tiles. So, on the backs of these um, these eighteen cards are s- story cards or like quests that you can complete. And the requirements to complete them are to have the right number of tiles of that item type. So essentially, mm-hmm. you are trying to um, amass enough tiles of, say, you know, weapons if you're going to defeat. Um, an army of skeletons, and if you have that right number of tiles currently in your bag, you get to pick an option of one of two loot cards to then try to add to your existing bag. And you can do that by just making sure that one of those new items can fit in the same number of tiles. So it's kind of like you're you're physically actually trying to put an item into a bag space. Um and oh, while you're right, doing okay. that, you're trying to cover up junk and you're trying mm-hmm. to maybe cover up some items that a quest might require. So there's a bit of play there in terms of um, 
trying to figure out that puzzle of what do I want to get rid of? What do I want to keep? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, while still trying to complete the quest. I hope that kind of explains it. <laughs> and was it, was it, did you do a lot of like playtesting? I mean, did you reach out, were you a member like a local kind of gaming gaming groups or design groups? Did you, did you do quite a lot of, of playtesting for, for Squire for Hire? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I have a, a couple close friends and we, um, we like to sit down and play test a lot of, um, a lot of our own games together. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not too much of a, a local playtest community where where I am specifically, but mm-hmm. um, between that and I have a couple online friends that um, will sit down and hash a few ideas out or mm-hmm. um, bounce around ideas with to to kind of see what works and what doesn't. But it it went through a lot of playtesting in terms of making sure that core loop worked well. And then from there, it was just fine-tuning, especially after so many people were able to to play it after the first campaign. It, you know, That's when you, you figure out all the fine-tuning bits about the rules and um, you know, where, where things need a little bit of extra TLC in certain areas. Yeah, how did, how did you find the kind of the rules writing? Was that an easy thing to do? Because no. I know, <laughs> I yeah, know so many people that struggle with that. They're just like, I can't, I can't, I just can't. I'm trying to write here and I sound like a fool. <laughs> yeah. It, well, the thing is, I, it's one of those things. I think rule writing can seem easy until mm-hmm. you give it to someone else that has no idea what you're talking about. So it, it I... In my mind, I think rules writing is very easy, but every time when I send rules to someone, they're like, no, that doesn't make any sense at all. What are you talking about? So it's a, I, I enjoy writing the rules because I'm, I'm very thorough, but making sure that everything is covered. Yeah. But maybe the wording is slightly off or maybe, maybe the order of things has to be changed to, to, to just be very specific about what has to take place in what certain order, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then uh, putting yeah. it on a challenge of um, putting all the rules into a space constraint, like the inside of a, a tiny 18 card hook box is that's the, that's the challenge and the fun. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Especially because you don't want them opening the box and realizing that 95% of the actual contents of the box is the rule book, which is always, yeah. <laughs> which is always a, which is always a difficult thing to kind of, Always a difficult thing to kind of do. I always explain to people, well, when people say, well, how difficult can a rule book be? And it's like, well, imagine um, writing the rules on how to make a cup of tea, except you've got to explain everything from, you not only just got to say to people, you put fill the kettle with water. You've actually yeah. got to explain to them what a kettle is and where the water comes from. And when exactly, exactly you should be doing it, you know, right and get, you know, get, uh, and I, I had somebody say that's a really good exercise to actually get people to understand how kind of rules work. Cause I can spot when you, cause we do kind of like a fair number of previews and sometimes it's easy to spot the ones where they've play tested, they've done the play testing. And it's also quite easy to spot the ones where they've not done as much blind play testing where they've just said well there's the rules there's the game can I get on with it because yeah. it can become something that's really really obvious to one person is just like you're just like mm, this isn't kind of 
this isn't kind of obvious obvious at all especially as you say especially if you try to put it into like an 18 car kind of t- tuck box yeah kind of as well it can you know yeah it can be tricky mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um how at what point did did letterman games get involved i mean how did that happen did you pitch to them you know a, a con or something like that or did they did nope. they did they kind of find you yeah, so I uh, I knew of of Dan and Letterman Games beforehand. Mm. Um, you know, followed them on Twitter and whatnot. Um, but and I don't know if it was just some sort of personal challenge to myself, but um, I wanted to just sort of fund my own game and and try to put it out there for the world and see kind of what I could do with something I created entirely my own. Um, mm. And within like the first few days of the campaign i think uh dan caught wind of it and was and and reached out from there and said hey you know i'd like to take a closer look at this um you know let's let's see if there's some something we can do to to maybe work together on that so uh yeah it uh it, it kind of took me by surprise <laughs> very quickly because i was like oh you know, this is my this is my baby and i'm not sure what to <laughs> how to respond to compliments <laughs> But no, uh, it, I've been dealing but, with feedback for the last six months, and now you're actually saying to me you really like the game and you want to have it. It's like, what's your what's your ulterior what's your ulterior motive, Dan? Tell well, us the yeah, truth, yeah, Dan. There's a little bit of that, right? Because it's like, hey, I don't know, <laughs> and, and not having yeah, spoken yeah. to Dan before, right? It's like, hey, what mm. what do I do in this situation? But <laughs> no, uh, Dan's been a Dan's been amazing to to work with, and we have a we have a great working relationship, and it's. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it, it couldn't have worked out better for for either of us, I think. Mm-hmm. So, did, because because the the game was already on the Kickstarter campaign, was there less likelihood it was going to kind of get changed? Because I know of a lot of people who have signed games to get published, yep, and then um, the game itself has kind of changed in, in a lot of major fundamental ways because the core mechanics were there. But the theme yeah. wasn't maybe a hundred percent brilliant, or the theme was amazing, but the mechanics were just a little bit too kind of bitty and kind of all over the place. So we kind of like, well, he's liking the game, but he can't possibly kind of do an awful lot of changes to the game as well. So I guess there was that kind of we've kind of got that yeah. kind of uh, uh, yeah, and, and part well, of for sure, yeah, and, and part of I, I think why I did the Kickstarter on my own to to start was. Um, because I already had that creative control. So I, mm-hmm. I already had the art, the design and everything was, um, it was, it was there. Um, it definitely, um, was improved before we, before we manufactured it. So we, we improved the the logo and the graphic design and, um, and went back through and did all the editing and all that stuff. But, um, in terms of my original core vision of the game, like that was, that still remains intact um even forward to this campaign which with which uh dan has been involved with from the start so mm-hmm. um so yeah actually the, the core squire for hire game that i had in my head is is still there yeah because you did i mean the first game did phenomenally well on kickstarter the original kind of squire for hire i mean you the um 
you're only looking at eleven hundred Canadian dollars. Yeah, um, <laughs> and that was what I was looking at for my minimum well. order. That's <laughs> like saying, "I just want to cover my first print run, please, Doris." Thanks. <laughs> that was and <laughs> that was all I wanted to do. <laughs> and then you were like, you ended up doing like twenty two thousand. Were you just kind of sitting there going, and that must have been so strange because I know. Oh yeah. Because as I say, yeah. speaking to Kickstarter creators all the time, I know there's some guys that are like they'll scrape by and they'll reach the funding goal, and then there's obviously the, the behemoths in the room as well yeah. that you know. You know, not saying Isaac Childress, but we are. <laughs> but, you know, they're just like, Get away. you know, $20 million, yep. nice one. But um, were you kind of like going, hey, this uh, creating on Kickstarter thing, this is easy. <laughs> I don't understand. don't understand why everybody's having so much bother. I just kind of like put my game up there. And then just throw it up there I'm and see what to, happens. Just yeah. on 22 grand, you know, <sighs> what yeah, you're complaining about. <laughs> it was definitely a surprise for sure but uh i mean in, in no way do i take it for granted i mean especially being a, a new creator that's you know has had little to no success before this it it's kind of a shock but um you know it was kind of that that leap that i took to to kind of see what happens it's just weird because you can never. It just comes down to me like somebody says, "Do you think this campaign is going to be successful?" And I'm just like, "Do you know what? I can no longer tell. <laughs> There's no nope. way I can look at anybody's campaign and go, yeah, that's definitely there. You're going to so fund by so much. It's you know, it's going to be amazing, um, because and also at the same time, I mean, you were. <laughs> it was only like what thirteen dollars, kind of like to get the kind of like the the base game as well yeah so you you ended up like 1300 backers so that's like okay this is you know, got 1300 people as well that must have been cool for was from a business point of view then the discussions that you had with dan when it came to the expansion i mean how quickly was the talk of the expansion kind of how quickly before that was brought to the table I mean, and, and, well, and who who kind of drove who kind of drove that as well? Was that you or was that Dan? That was pretty equal, I think. <laughs> like, yeah. it, as soon as I was done the the first Kickstarter, I think before that actually, like I I already knew I wanted to do something more with it. Hmm. Yeah, because like there, there's just so much room to to add items and characters and whatnot. Um, and Dan was right on the same page. He's like, you hmm. know, there's you know, we could maybe do some expansions here. And I was like, yep, all right. So there, there really wasn't much discussion. We just kind of knew. Oh, you're twisting my arm the, up my the back. The next one was gonna. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, I guess I guess we probably should, right? Yeah. So I mean, yeah, if things if things continue to to go well, and you mm. know, maybe maybe down the road, if there's if there's more room to do that, I'd be open to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I mean, has this. Has this encouraged you can to look at other games then? I mean, are you looking at the other portfolio and saying, well, this was this is fairly okay and it was fairly, you know, it was obviously a lot of work, but it was, you know, it's fairly been painless. Has this kind of made you think, well, listen, I could actually do, I've got more ideas I want to get out there. I mean, are you now thinking about kind of like bigger games? Because um, 
or you kind of think, well, the 18 card game's kind of like my wheelhouse. I kind of like that, but I've got more ideas kind of along those lines. Oh, yeah. For for sure. I mean, the the irony in that is that Squire for Hire started off as actually the biggest game I ever designed. Um, Really? Yeah, and I it was this large um, sort of map moving uh, polyomino collection game where you're trying to fit tiles into an actual defined player board space. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, it was extremely large and cumbersome and, and overly complicated. Um, and as much as I would love to, to kind of dive into something bigger like that, um, I, I'd love smaller games because they're, they're easy to get to the table and they're much more accessible. Um, yeah. I can, I can get an idea from zero to a hundred and, you know, in no time. And when I get going on an idea, I just kind of <laughs> hit the gas and, and I get it done. So, um, seeing, seeing an idea come to life that much quicker is, is really exciting to me. And that makes me much, that much more passionate about the project too. So I, I think all those ideas that I have, sitting on the back burner that are for larger games, um, not just in the Squire for Hire universe, but other games that are a little bit bigger, you know, they're going to take time. They're going to take um, a bit more refinement uh, to go through that whole process first. Yeah. So yeah, the micro games are yeah, definitely more yeah. attractive that way. So um, for what's the fundamental difference between, you know, the mystic runes, set i mean if i'm if i'm looking at the campaign and it's obviously mm-hmm. um beautifully illustrated um well i'm not going to say anything else am i because otherwise you'll hang up on me but um <laughs> <laughs> no but funda- fundamentally you know people looking at the kind of like mystic runes um what's the big difference between that and the first game so the biggest difference i'd say is the kind of the namesake of the game and that's the the runes themselves um Mm -hmm. because they they change that they change some of the fundamental ways that the game works um Mm -hmm. so they they can kind of change some of your strategies so for example um there are there are three different runes that you can collect and any squire can go for them so it's not a matter of you know being restricted to to only one player type can go after them that sort of thing um Mm -hmm. One of these runes will allow you to place cards underneath of other cards in your bag. So that's something that was previously not allowed. You always had to place something kind of on the top of your bag, kind of like you would fill an actual bag. Um, There's another rune that will change to the shape of any other item that you want. So great for if your opponent is always stealing the items that you want, but you find one of these runes, they can you can take it and you know get that item combination that you're looking for to get extra points. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's another rune that will um, it will help negate any junk items. So normally junk will deduct from your score at the end of the game. Um, this rune will will absorb anything around it to to negate that. So there's a few things that will kind of change change up the gameplay. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, the the new squires. Um, a lot of people were really excited about um, some new characters um, in the last campaign. So that was one thing. The whole game has been re- retooled and entirely new items. So there's, while it's the same core experience um, with some new kind of mechanics thrown in, um, you know, the squire for higher experience is still there. 
in this side, I mean, one of the things that I noticed on the new campaign is you've got more kind of reviews, and you've got one from from Rado as well. Mm-hmm. Is that a little bit of a nerve wracking thing sending things to Richard Hand? Because I know <laughs> yes. that you know, I know he does his playthrough kind of thing, but it is the kind of the it is the kind of the test, isn't it? I mean, you want something quotable. You don't want him saying, "Yeah, well, it's eighteen cards." Yeah, Thanks, Richard. No, I yeah. Was, there, there was a little bit of there was a little bit of that for sure. Um, yeah, I had a little bit of an intro conversation with Richard, and um, he seemed uh, receptive to to getting the game and, and trying it out and mm. like the look of it. And, uh, and then he sent me the video and it was like, just going on about the love he has for it and that he just loves playing it solo. And, um, just all these, all these kind of, you know, these great compliments and not that I expect it to be a hundred percent negative, but there's yeah. always that, you know, creators are their, their own, worst critic and i think i was just in my own head too much about that <laughs> so to, to hear the end? to hear the nice things was was just it was a uh, reaffirming i guess did you end up like um matthew mcconaughey in interstellar watching the video <laughs> where you started just <laughs> oh you mean where he's kind of where he's bawling his eyes out <laughs> <laughs> As you were not, watching, not quite. And, and as he was kind of like Richard's going through his, Rado's going through his little talk, <laughs> and he's starting to say some really nice things. Did you find yourself welling up a bit? I'm just saying, it's okay to share. Oh, maybe a bit, maybe a little bit of a tear. Just sure. a little. It's <laughs> just, <a, laughs> just like that. Honey, yeah. are you you been cutting onions in that kitchen again? Because I don't know something's happening to my eyes here. Kind of yeah, thing. So no. those onions. <laughs> <laughs> But it must be, it, at the same time, it must be really nice to get somebody who kind of isn't connected to the game, just kind of like sitting there going, yeah, this is really good. I'm really, really having a good time. I'm kind of enjoying kind of playing it. It's a little bit of validation because when you get feedback from the family, yeah, you know, I could stick like five bits of white card in front of my mum and just write, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. write, you know, write, I don't like your cats. And she'll go, this is a really good game. I really, really like this. Yeah. But it's a different... I mean, even if, you like, you know, even people you know are still going to be quite, quite, you know, I mean, there's... Sometimes you get, like, the critics coming in. Um, is it nice to kind of get that kind of validation? You're going, like, yeah, this was, you know, because you're not... This is something you've probably spent the easily probably 100 hours of your time yeah. kind of putting together and doing the art for and stuff like that. So is it kind of cool to get that kind of level of validation? It is, yeah, and, and not that you know. If a review came back entirely negative, you know, I'm I'm an artist. I'm used to critique and and criticism and and things like that. So that mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily bother me. But it's um, it, it's nice to kind of have that that validation, and you know, especially from someone outside of my my inner circle to to kind of give me that push to say, hey, you know, someone's actually acknowledging that you're you're doing this and. You, you've done something pretty well and um you know that definitely helps alleviate my imposter syndrome to <laughs> to think that you know that luck streak is going to run out but um no it's it's very it's it's very good to very nice to hear those those things and and from anyone any any type of support like that is just is just great 
I mean, because at the moment you've you're actually um, at the time of recording, you're pretty much in the same situation where you you finished the the, the amount that you got with the first campaign is where you are kind of just now with the second campaign. Which is pretty. As you as you say that, I'm noticing it. (laughs) It's a bit surreal. So yeah, I'm looking here. So I'm at yeah, just just shy of what the last campaign made after three days. I think so. Very cool, but yeah, that is very that is but that is that is that is kind of um, that is kind of pretty cool. Um, But what I mean in terms of pledge levels because let's let's talk about how much are people going to need to spend in order to kind of again join you in this in this journey yeah so (laughs) (laughs) you're looking at the journeyman pledge weren't you i'm looking at i'm looking at the journeyman (laughs) pledge yeah so we we got a couple different levels um and and one is is just you get the mystic runes uh standalone expansion um which gives you the you know the 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 second core set which you can play entirely mm-hmm. on its own or you can mm-hmm. mix it with the first square for hire and you get up to up to like a four player um, experience that way um, and it's twelve dollars Canadian plus shipping so we try to keep it very close to um, to what we had for the first campaign um, it, it's a micro game so it's you know it, it is what it is um, but we we also are introducing a new uh, character pack with this one so with a lot of the characters that I, I wanted to implement for um, this new expansion I had so many left over and people really wanted more characters to play as so we're thinking well there's there's an opportunity to, to kind of do some sort of like a mini expansion with the extra characters um, so I've been drawing some extra ones to to add in so now we have 18 new characters that are compatible um, split between the old square for hire and the new one. Um, and if you have both copies of the game, you can use them for, for both sets. Um, and that one is uh, slightly discounted. So we, we have this, the character pack at kind of like a discounted rate. So it's $22 um, plus the $3 shipping for, um, for both of those sets, uh, $4 shipping Canadian. Sorry. And that's Canadian dollars, people. That's Canadian dollars. So to give you an indication, Canadian dollars, 22, the journeyman level, which is 22 Canadian dollars, that's £13 in UK money, which means it's going to be about $17 American money, roughly. Yeah, about 16, 17 American. Yeah. And if you went for the hero pack, which gets you everything, the Mystic Rings core set, the core set one and the squire pack, that's about £19 or about 23 to $24. So it really is, it's inexpensive. I'm not going to say cheap because cheap sounds like somebody that hangs around corners and wears bad <laughs> um, <laughs> wears tacky clothing. Um, but, you know, so there it goes. So it's, ne- it's next to nothing. Well, you know, and you can play. Can you play it solo mode, John? This is yeah, what the big question. The question of the day is at the moment is, I've got this <laughs> lovely collection of board games, and I've realised that you know, eighty-seven percent, I can't play by myself. Um, but yes, there is a solo mode in the game as well, isn't it? Absolutely, and I most. I, I'm not 
going to say most players, but a, a fair number of players do play it um, solo. So whether they're mm-hmm. on their lunch break at work or mm-hmm. um, got some spare time, I've seen lots of people have it on uh, a ta- uh, one of those fold-down tables on an airplane, um, just playing it like that. So that, that was really cool to see, actually, is just people kind of pulling it out of their bag whenever they have a spare moment and playing a few rounds, trying to complete it with each squire to get, you know, to see what what their what score they can get with each one. So that, that's really cool to see is, is the solo mode taking off. Fits in your back pocket. In fact, leave your mobile phone at home and use the space that you freed up for your mobile phone to put a copy of this game in its place instead. Exactly. That's what, that is what I'm saying. That is how we do it. That is definitely how we do it. Um, yeah. 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 Um, have you got anything more kind of planned on the art side then? I mean, are you going to continue? Is that, are you now going to be kind of continue to be focused on? The board, the tabletop board game side of stuff, or are you now? You yeah, know, are you still going to continue with the art stuff as you, as you kind of go? Oh yeah, so the the art stuff has always always been there, and it always will be there. Um, mm-hmm. So, but especially after um, after the first campaign, and um, you know, the the freelance graphic design thing has really picked up. Um, so I've been doing right. uh, logos and some graphic design for. Um, some newer games hitting Kickstarter and uh, game companies looking for mm-hmm. a logo and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been very cool to to not only have that side hustle kind of turn into something that's I'm also passionate about. So mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. yeah, and and something that I'm doing currently, which is you know launching the Kickstarter and and doing all that design work myself is is really cool to to see that lead into into more work. Is yeah. It's very cool. So you're kind of drifting kind of purposefully but successfully into the industry kind of that way. Which drifting, is kind of cool. yeah. That's a good you way to, to put it. <laughs> just drifting kind of just, you drifting know, through the art know, and art and board game world. Just going to go in yeah. there, just landing, you know, hitting <laughs> a couple of really successful Kickstarters on my way as I'm doing it. But still doing my watercolour. <laughs> There's a frog. There's an elephant. Yep. Kind of thing, which is kind of cool at the same time. Um, yeah, you've if people want to kind of if they listened along today and they went, you know, he's quite. I like, oh, I like the the cut of his jib. Um, <laughs> and a man, and a man that paints watercolor frogs can't go wrong or uses pastels. Let's do this. Where um where can they find you on the internet webs if they wanted to find you on the internet webs, John? Sure. So I, I have a a website. It's um, johnmerchant.webs.com. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's my typical website for a lot of my fine art and stuff like that. Um, I do have okay. an ArtStation account, um, Instagram, Twitter. It's all under uh, johnmerchant21. That's the username for all three. Um, and a lot of people reach out to me on Twitter. I'm pretty active on there in terms of board game design, artwork, that sort of thing. So that's a good place to to kind of keep up with what I'm doing. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's about it. And we'll put the yeah. Kickstarter link and everything. We'll put it all in the show notes so that people can track you down in a nice way. In a nice way? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I appreciate it. In, in a nice way. Um, and, you know, um, we shall do that. Um, Sounds great. Thank you very, very much. Thank you very, very much for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. I appreciate, appreciate your time. Um, 
for everybody who's listened along tonight, if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, um, you should know by now. You know, you can find us currently in my house because I'm not allowed to leave. Um, but if you want to find us online, then you can find us in all the different kind of worn out places, worn out faces, uh, bright and early for the egg and spoon races. We're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and we're on YouTube where we try and be funny. And we've got uh, our website and we've got our blog and uh, just like spreading. I'm not going to make a joke. Um, if you like what you're listening to tonight, then tell somebody else about us because um, that's how we kind of spread. Um, like butter, I guess. Um, if you like what you're listening to tonight, <laughs> then consider going on to Apple Podcasts and dropping us a rating or a review. If you are going to be dropping us a rating or a review, then... Don't give us 10 stars because it makes us big-headed, but at the same time, don't give us one star because um, um, don't make me any sadder, um, basically. Um, but give us uh, something in the middle, like a five, because we're average, um, uh, just a little bit average. Um, but the person who's not been average is rather <laughs> wonderful, rather fantastic, uh, Mr. John Merchant. Um, so again, thank you very, very much, Mr. Merchant. Um, there is only two things we do. There, there is the continuing terrible joke that we run, which is to ask and remind everybody that we're many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, John? No. No, we're not. That was absolute conviction. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> uh, God bless you and all who sail in you. And the other thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from John. Say goodbye, John. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for joining. And it's and it's a goodbye from me. Remember, uh, stay safe more than ever. Roll sixes. Make something awful. Um, and um, if things are just a little bit heavy at the moment, maybe just consider getting yourself a little squire for hire. But until the next time, goodbye. is never late. Is he early? He arrives precisely when he means to. Mm-hmm.